0: I'd like to go back to Hebrews chapter 12 um, this afternoon. And while you're turning there, I want to share another thought that's been on my mind for the last several days, and Brother Philip was reading back there in in, uh, Isaiah chapter 2 and brought out a wonderful thought there. I hadn't considered that before, and so I'm stealing that as I do most things that I share. but at any rate, the, the thought I want to uh, share with you is something that I was thinking about um, a couple days ago in uh, Revelation chapter chapter one. When you know people talk about how they have uh, had a conversation with Jesus, you know, and uh, there's this one uh, one thought, that one of our uh, church members. Shared with me many years ago something that he had heard or saw on TV. This guy talked about him having a conversation with Jesus while he was standing in the bathroom shaving and he was just carrying on a conversation with Jesus, okay? And, uh, and of course, that struck him funny. Well, I want you to think about this in light of what I've just said about this fellow. So, in Revelation chapter 1, John says that he was he was on the Isle of Patmos. He was, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. This is verse 10. And he heard behind him um, a great voice as a trumpet. Now I want you to think about it. A voice as a great trumpet. He hears, I am uh, Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. Send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet, like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice, as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, what do you think John did? Oh, hey, how you doing, Jesus? How, it's good to see you again. This same Jesus that John has just described is here now. Seeing Him who is invisible. It struck me years ago, I was reading in the book of Judges. No, no, I'm sorry. In the book of Joshua. Israel is about to go against Jericho. You remember that scene. And they're, they're going to Jericho. The Lord's told them what to do. And on their way, they meet a man. You remember that scene? Yeah. He's a man. He looks like a man. He's just like He looks just like you and me. You know, nothing special about him. He's just a man. And Joshua comes up to him. says, are you for us or against us? Yeah. Nay. But as captain of the Lord of hosts am I come and then tells him to take off his shoes your own holy ground you know what Joshua did now when he sees this man he sees a man but he hears what the man says and says this ain't no ordinary man you understand what I'm saying he hits the dirt friends we are in a place right now we are in the presence of the holy God of the universe he's sitting here or he's I think I can say that. He's sitting here in our midst. And there he describes, you know, uh, the Son of Man in the midst of the seven churches. He's in our midst. This one who has eyes of flaming fire. He's in our midst beholding our service. Do you see him? If you see him, does it affect you the way it did Joshua? Does it affect you the way it did John here? Friends, we're in the presence of the Holy God, our Savior. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. This morning we talked about this race that's set before us. And we talked about how that the way that we are going to run this race successfully is by looking unto Jesus. And the word looking there means that we've got to look away from something unto something. Friends, I'm afraid today that we're looking at something else other than Jesus. The problem, Brother Buddy and I were talking about this earlier, the problem that we're facing today in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not Arminianism. The problem that we're facing today is not Calvinism. It's not absolutism. It's not fatalism. Friends, the problem we're facing today is the world and the devil and our own flesh. In running this race that's set before us, we have three opponents. Those three that we've just mentioned. We have the devil, the world, and our own flesh. I don't remember, I think it it might have been Elder David Crawford that that brought this to my mind many years ago. He he talked about this little cartoon character, Pogo, I believe it was, who uh, says, you know, we have found the enemy and the enemy is us. Uh, We are our own worst enemy. You know, when I talked about this morning about the competitors that we have are not each other, but it is ourselves. We have to compete against ourselves. Ourselves, our old man, our old nature, it wants to do what it wants to do, and it is contrary to going up. Okay? It wants to go down. It doesn't want to go up to the Mount Zion. It wants to go down. It it just tends downward, and you've got to struggle against that. and You've got to continually, you've got to put your foot upon its neck and keep it down. We read words like mortify the deeds of the flesh, crucify the flesh, lay aside the old man, and so forth. Those are things that we that we read in scripture. That's how we we deal with the flesh. And if we if we give way to it, if we let it have its way, which is, as we said, so easily done, it's so easy to fall, you know, to, to just let it in and and and, uh, and and go with it as it were then we're hindered in our race. Friends, there are blessings that you and I have not even touched in the kingdom of heaven. What we've had here today has been glorious. I'm going to go home and brag about the experience that we had here today. Okay? It's been a good time in the Lord. In fact, I yeah, when I was, when we got done this uh, this morning and we're going into, you know, to uh, to eat lunch, I thought, well, you know, typical afternoon crowd, we're going to probably have about a third uh, back for the afternoon service, you know, like it's unnatural uh, to go back to worship service after you've had a big meal. But I'm, I thank the good Lord for he is good, Brother Charles, where are you? He's, he's good all the time. I thank the good Lord that I was wrong. Okay? Most of you are back. Praise the Lord. That's not natural. All right? That's not usual. But I'm going to go home and brag about that experience. But that experience, that experience, that joy that we've had, and the peace and the fellowship, it gets better. It gets better. But it only gets better if you're running your race, looking unto Jesus. Now, he says here, he's the author and finisher of our faith. There's a couple of different ways to understand that phrase there. And and I I would fall out, you know, which which camp you're in. In fact, I'd say yay and amen to both. Okay, but at any rate, I do believe that faith comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And praise God, you'll never lose that principle of faith. It is it. He finishes it. Okay. (coughs) So, praise God for that. In fact, let's just look at this for just a moment. Brother Charles, you are all over my stuff. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know how you're going to be able to endure is through the faith that Jesus has originated in your heart. And whenever you are poor and outcast and, and you're feeling you know, lower than low and you feel like you're clean gone forever, He still has that principle in your heart. It's there. There may be times in your life and your experience... Where you can't see him. You can't see him with Moses there who saw him who is invisible. Where are you, Lord? And you come to the place where Job says, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he is finished, I shall come forth as gold. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him. You ever thought about the joy that was set before Jesus? Now we think about the joy that's set before us. I, I, I trust we do. You know, when we think about the joy set before us, you know, I think about that scene that Brother, brother Charles was, was preaching about. There's, there's, there's a glory time of coming, right? There's a glory time coming. There's a time when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back you know, with the the clouds, with the sound of the trumpet, and all that are asleep in Christ. He's going to bring up out of the the graves and we that are alive and remain are going to be caught up together uh, with the Lord and forever be with the Lord. That's going to be a joyous time. To me, it's kind of unusual though to see this phrase used in connection with Jesus. Jesus had joy set before Him. And I want you to know, it's true. Of course, obviously, Brother Charles has made the point. This is true. Who for the joy set before him. What was the joy set before Jesus? What was that joy? Perhaps. Perhaps it was getting to the other side. And having the father. Well done. Amen. Son. I can't experience that no more with my dad. And many of you can't either. But Jesus, perhaps, He was looking forward to that day when on the other side of the cross, He walks into the presence of the Father. And the Father says, well done, Son. My faithful Son. My good and faithful servant. Perhaps the joy that was set before him was having a bride that you could only dream about. Perfect in every way. I mean, there's nothing askew in this bride. You know, Jesus... Before the foundation of the world was looking forward to having his wife. When Robin and I were were courting, it was a very short courtship. My son says, you know, it takes a lot longer, six months, you know, to know somebody. You know, when we we met seven months later, we were married. You say, whoa, you know, well, anyway. Jesus, before the foundation of the world was looking forward to his wife, when Robin and I, when we first started courting, man, it was like every moment I was thinking about Robin. When I, It took every ounce of courage I had to make that first phone call. And then when we finally did, four hours later, I hanged the phone up. And that was before cell phones. That's when you paid for long distance. <laughs> And my mother, I was living at home at the time, my mother come to the, you know, a few weeks later, she comes to the phone bill, she says, Shannon, the phone bill is $220. I says, I'll pay that gladly. <laughs> it was well worth every minute. All right? And I say amen still. Amen, I haven't got 42 years yet, brother, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Robin says, You might live to be 42 years married. You know, but anyway. Jesus, I suspect that the joy set before him was a perfect bride. What was it that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 25, when, when Paul is talking about how husbands ought to love their wives? He says this. He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Listen, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus came into the world, he lived that perfect life. I'm not talking about a mature life. I'm talking absolutely, teetotally, without spot, pure life. And then he died at Calvary, taking on the sins of his bride. He did so joyfully, I think. I think he he saw, hey, there's there's a good time of coming here because I'm going to have a wife that's worthy. I'm going to be with my wife. I couldn't wait for Robin and I to get married. Y'all hearing me? I look forward to that day when I can be with her all the time. There's joy. There was joy set before Jesus. There's coming a day when He's going to be together with His bride forever, uninterrupted, unsullied by sin, unsullied by the world or the devil or anything such like. He's going to be with her and she's going to be perfect and they're going to live happily ever after amen hallelujah who for the joy set before him i suspect there were some things like that and knowing that those things were waiting he could endure the cross my friends y'all don't know suffering i don't know suffering when those men took that Canaanite tail and they scourged the Lord Jesus uh, Christ, his back with that, and they made deep and long their furrows, Psalm 129, verse 3, when they made long his fur- their furrows on his back, that was suffering, but it wasn't suffering. Are you hearing me there today? Jesus was slapped, they had they they plaited a crown of thorns, and they Mashed it upon his head, you know, and pierced his skin. Bloods trickling down his face. They were beating him with their fists. They were slapping him with their hands. They were beating him with re- uh, uh, with reeds. They nailed uh, nails in his hands and his feet. He was he suffered at the hands of men. But friends, that doesn't compare. That doesn't compare to the suffering that Jesus did at the hands of Almighty God. Amen. He bore the wrath of God, not the wrath of man. I realize that the, that the sword of the wicked, is, is, or the wicked are, is the sword of the Lord. Okay, we read that in the Psalms. But friends, there was something going on there at the cross. We'll never be, begin to fathom. You know, I've looked at, you know, in Revelation chapter 20, whatever, uh, those that are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're cast into the lake of fire that burneth forever and f- ever. Burneth with fire and brimstone. That is an everlasting wrath. Jesus Christ bore that wrath at Calvary for you and me. And you say, well, how can he do that? They burned forever. He didn't burn forever and ever. He, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unto God. That's a God thing. I don't begin to even try to understand it. But friends, Jesus bore the wrath of God. He suffered like no man will ever suffer. Amen. Certainly not the elect. Okay? The suffering we do here in this world, it is worth the joy set before us. Amen. Jesus said it's worth the... Enduring the hardship. It's, it's, it's worth enduring the loss of all the carnal things of this life. It's worth the loss of homes and houses and so, so forth. It's worth that for this joy that's set before us. Those people had it right when they saw that in heaven they have an enduring substance. Alright? They saw an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away. Friends, we cannot even begin to imagine the joy that's set before us. And know what the beauty of it is? is We don't have to wait. Hello? We don't have to wait until we depart this life. We We can begin to enjoy Vestiges of that joy now. Right? Don't you believe that? I believe that. Amen. We can begin to enjoy that now. All we got to do is get in the way. His way. Amen. The highway. All right? Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Now I'm going to give you one other. One other thought here. There's more that I could say, but I'm going to leave it. Leave you with a, with just a really sobering thought. Verse four. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Remember who he's writing to. Remember, these people have already suffered. They've already been, they've been persecuted. They've, they've suffered things you, you and I may not ever have to suffer. And yet he says to them, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Yeah. Friends, what he said here to the Hebrew Audience. It's true for you, it's true for me. Remember, if we did, it could not be said about so easily besetting. Right? If we were resisting on the blood, there wouldn't no, there would not be no easily besetting sin. Because we'd be putting up the dukes and said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not sinning against my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not sinning against my wife. I'm not sinning against my children. I'm not sinning against my employer. I'm not sinning against God. He's been too good to me for me to live my life like this. I will not do it. God, give me strength. We've not yet resisted unto blood. We have not so much as broken a sweat many times. Resisting sin. Amen? Amen. It's time for us as the Lord's people to dig our heels in Amen. and by the grace of God live lives worthy of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord have his blessing.